Good evening. I want to thank you for joining us this evening for our Bible study. Today we're going to be looking at the second book of Chronicles. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, what we have been doing is to go on a journey to study the whole Bible. Can you believe it? <laughs> That's amazing. That's one thing I love about our church. It's a world church. And it's very, very important that you and I know the word of God. The Bible says, in all of your getting, get wisdom. Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 7 says that. It says wisdom is the principal thing. Get it. And there's no better wisdom than the wisdom that comes from above. So it's very important that you and I know the word of God. I'll be honest with you. Without God, you and I can do absolutely nothing. I do want to say thank you for joining us today. Your time is precious. Your time is valuable. I love the fact that you want to know more about God. That's my desire also. And the Bible says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. And ladies and gentlemen, I pray today that your heart, your soul, your spirit shall be filled. We're looking at the book of Second Chronicles. The last time we met, we talked about First Chronicles. Please permit me to give you a quick review of First Chronicles and then move into Second Chronicles. Why is that important? Number one, the two books, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, they actually only one book that is turned into two books. Why do they turn it into two books? I'm glad you asked. Because it's such a long book. <laughs> so, so we just break it down. You know, sometimes preachers would do that too. If I have a long sermon so that my wife will not talk about me, so I break it into series. <laughs> Don't tell her I say that. So, so then you see part one, part two, part three. So the book of Chronicles is actually one book broken into two. All right? The first part of, of that book, First Chronicles, we talked about a few things. We let you know that the book is actually a summary of all of the other books that we have been studying. We also point out to you that the book of Chronicles is actually the last book of the Jewish Bible. They're not into New Testament and all of the books that we learn. So they focus more on those Old Testament books. And the book of Chronicles is the last one. So this book is important because it summarizes everything else that we have been learning from Genesis, from Exodus, from Leviticus, from 
Samuel, from Ruth, from First King, and all those books we did before. Another thing you need to know about the book of Chronicles is that the first nine chapters really talked about genealogy. Don't let that word throw you off. Genealogy is simply recounting who was father to who, who was father to who, more or less tracing the ancestry of a person. That, some people find that very boring, but it can be very helpful. It lets you know your own identity. When you know where you come from, it helps to define you. It helps to shape your, your worldview or even your thinking. All right? So the first night chapter is about genealogy. And there are two things that the book is trying to, to trace the ancestry of. Number one, it wants to talk about the ancestry of the Messiah. The Jewish people believes that the Messiah will come, the savior of the Jewish people. So they long for the Messiah. I'm sure you and I believe that too. The only difference between us and the Jews is that we believe the Messiah has come. Hallelujah. <laughs> and his name is Jesus Christ. Now, our Jewish brothers and sisters, they are still waiting for the Messiah to come. Isn't that something? So, but that's one huge difference. So this book was trying to, to track down the ancestry of the Messiah. Where will he come from? What family will he come from? What bloodline is he going to come from? So that genealogy, although it may be boring to some people, but it's very, very important. Another topic of genealogy that the first ninth chapter talks about is that of priesthood. In other words, who is going to be the priest? You know, uh, today you have to be called into priesthood. You have to be called in to be a pastor, to be an evangelist or prophet or whatever. So, but way back then, there is a family that God called originally. So, and every priest came down from that bloodline. The family, by the way, is the, the family of Aaron. Aaron is the first priest. So the descendants of Aaron are supposed to be priests. So we don't necessarily do that nowadays. I mean, just because I'm pastor, that does not mean my children will be pastor after me. Uh, in fact, many of them, they love the Lord, they're in church, but they're not in the ministry, at least not that I know of. Uh, things may change. God does miracles and stuff like that. But the real message I'm trying to tell you is that today you have to be called into priesthood. Back then, 
the, you have to be born into it. You have to be born in that bloodline. So once you finish that first nine chapters, then you get into something that is very important about the whole book of Chronicles, whether it's the first book or the second book. And that is that the book is a message of hope. You know, when preachers preach a sermon, uh, I'm trying to have some pastors listening now. It's usually at the back of their, their mind, it's usually a message they're trying to, to get across. It may be to condemn sin. It may be to encourage somebody. It may be to build somebody's faith. But there's always an underlying theme that every pastor had in mind. And one thing I love about the book of Chronicles is that it's a message of hope. Hallelujah. And I think it's so important. I love that book because part of my own ministry has always been a message of hope. I don't condemn pastors that are preaching gloom and doom. I mean, Everybody have to preach whatever God sent them to, to, to preach, you know. But I'm just letting you know, just like medical doctors, a lot of ministers specialize in various areas of ministry. Say, for example, Billy Graham, very well-known evangelist. Uh, most of his messages is about salvation. That's his calling. So like a doctor, that's what he specializes on. Now compare that to somebody like uh, Chuck Pierce, for example. Uh, Brother Chuck is more of a prophetic pastor. So when you listen to him, most of his messages is about prophecy, all right? And then you compare that to somebody like Benny Hinn. So... Uh, Brother Benny Hinn is more of a healing evangelist. You know the message I'm trying to tell you? Everybody have their own area of expertise or area of calling. Now, for those of you who may be familiar with my ministry, most of the time my ministry is inspiring. I've been called to minister to those who are hurting. In fact, the Lord allowed me or in, to went through a lot of hurt myself. So out of trying to minister to myself, to me, then the Lord called me to help others. So it's easy for me to minister today because then there, done that, <laughs> got a t-shirt for it. So my own calling is more of a, a message of, Lifting people up, being positive, a message of hope, a message of faith, a message of healing, a message of inspiration, a message of pushing people into their destiny, helping people to know that you can make it, you can do better, and God loves you. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, the, so you can see why. I am in love 
with this book of Chronicles. Because for the most part, it talks about hope. Now, for the Jewish people, what were they hoping for? Number one, they were hoping that the Messiah, their Savior, will come one day. That is a big deal to them. Because they go through a lot of oppression, through a lot of attack. And it's good to know someday somebody will come to deliver you from all that mess. So that was a big deal to them. Another thing that is big deal to them is the, is the rebuilding of the temple, their church. They only had one big church for the whole country. It was in Jerusalem. But enemies will come and destroy their temple. So they have hope. The book of Chronicles is giving the people hope that someday soon the temple will be rebuilt again. How does that fit into your situation or mine? I'm glad you asked. I believe with all my heart that all of us need a message of hope. I don't know about you. I am hoping for a better tomorrow. Right now, we're going through what we call COVID-19 uh, virus, coronavirus, or whatever they call it. But it's good to know that there's better days ahead. Every now and then, you turn on the TV, and all you hear is just negative report. How many people is dying? How many people will die? How many people is infected? How many people is going down? In what area? Uh, the, 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 it's, it's like, okay, the boogerman is coming, and you better go hide. You better cover your head. I mean, and it just goes on and on. But it's very encouraging to know there is better days ahead. I thank God for all the signs. Thank God for all the precautions and all the protocols. We even do that in our church. Before you come in, we check your temperature. And while you come in, we give you a face mask to wear. We have uh, professional sanitizers all around the building. When you get inside the church, we practice social distancing. I mean, there's a lot of measures in place, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful to all of the nurses in our church. Thank God for their leadership and the science part of the equation. They're helping us. Thank God for the, for the ushers and, and the greeters and the parking lot attendants, the deacons, deaconesses, I mean, volunteers. Everybody just rise up to make sure that this thing called coronavirus don't wipe us all out. But in the, in the midst of all of that, it's also good to know that there is hope for us. That God is still on the throne. That there is better days ahead. So that makes this book of Chronicles very important. I believe with all my heart also there is hope for you. I don't know what you're going through right now. I really don't know what you've been through. But you know, it's good to know 
when it's all said and done, God's got your back. Maybe right now you're dealing with some challenges in your life. Maybe right now there's sickness in your body. Maybe right now as you're listening to me, you're dealing with raising children. Believe me, these are serious issues in some people's life. Maybe you're dealing with a broken relationship. I mean, you've infested a lot of times, a lot of years, and now the enemy is trying to, to mess things up. And maybe you're just dealing with financial difficulties. I mean, that's some of these things that I'm mentioning to you, uh, I don't mean to put myself down, but I've been through it. I know what it is to be sick. Not even sure if you're going to make it the next day. I know what it is to be struggling financially. I know what it is to be depressed. Yes, I said it. Ain't no shame in my game. But you know, a message of hope will keep you going. Wherever you are right now, whatever state you're in, Always have hope in the Lord. Even faith is the substance of things that you hope for. The evidence of things that you have not seen. So faith, what it does that you, you, you put yourself beyond your now. You have to look beyond your now. That's what hope does to you. Hope says, okay, right now I am broke. But I have hope someday I'm coming out of this. Right now, I may be physically sick, but someday I'm coming out of it. Hallelujah. I almost start shouting just talking about this. I don't know about you. It is good to be a man or woman of hope. Then the next thing that you see in the book of Chronicles, and we, we taught about this briefly the last week. And that is that the book of Chronicles in the effort to talk about the line, the ancestry of the Messiah to come, he identified David, King David, that the Messiah will come out of the line of King David. He was careful to let us know King David is not the Messiah. King Solomon is not the Messiah. All the kings in their bloodline is not the Messiah, but he, he let us know the Messiah will come from that bloodline. But in his effort to send that message, guess what he did? He said nothing but positive things about King David. You know we learn about David before. We know that David is not a perfect person. David is just like you or me. We have our flaws. Some of us have made some mistakes, some small, but some big mistakes. But isn't it good to know by the grace of God we are still here? I don't know about you. Sometimes when I think of the grace of God, it just brings tears to my eyes. How God will look beyond our fault 
and so are need. Let me pause here to say, if you're watching me this evening, and you are, and you're listening to me, and you are, and you had some shady past, why don't you forgive yourself and move on? God loves you. God has forgiven you. Don't hold back to those baggage. The Bible said, who the Lord has set free, that person is free indeed. Hallelujah. So the book of Chronicles did not talk about David's shady past. It did not talk about his immorality. It did not talk about his failure. It did not talk about uh, all of the bad action he took. It focused on the positive. Hallelujah. Can you do that about yourself? Let me take you further. Can you do that about your spouse? Wouldn't it be nice that if I would ever see anything or think about anything about my wife, it shouldn't be about her past mistakes? Wouldn't it be nice if we only focus on the positive concerning each other? Some people would just they become a dictionary of negative things. They will say stuff like, you know in 1972, your mama said this. You know in 1984, your daddy was mean to me. You know in, in 1992, and it just goes on and on. It's like they have a calendar of past mistakes. They have a dictionary. It's like they're recording it. But you know something about what the Bible says about love? Love keeps no record of wrongdoing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll be honest with you, there are things that people have done wrong to me. Even when I want to remember, the Holy Spirit won't let me. I've been trying to remember something. You know, this flesh is corrupt. <laughs> I just want to, to remember so I can stick it to him. But, but no, but the Holy Spirit would just erase it from my memory. I'm trying to encourage you today, let go and let God. Yes, your, your child may have done some horrible things. Yes, maybe your wife or maybe your husband. It may even be your employer. It may be your supervisor. It may be at church. Mm -hmm. sometimes church will hurt. I remember I met a, a pastor, very nice gentleman, and I didn't know he's a preacher, obviously, but as we're talking, I found out that he's a minister. And bless God, he shared with me how much the church has hurt me. We are actually on a tour. I went with the choir to some part of Tennessee. I don't remember. I think it's called Smoky Mountain or something like that. And we take a ride over the, on the sky, some kind of sky, some chain thing you ride, and then you go to another mountain. And it was very beautiful. 
it was good exposure for me just to get out of this neighborhood for a while. <laughs> but we ran into this, this brother in the Lord. He's a white brother. And he was sharing with me how people in the church actually hurt him. And how basically they footed him out, you know. And him and all of his children, and they were not given an opportunity. They were kicked out of the pastor, pastor house or whatever, pastorium. I think that's what they call it. So I had the opportunity to minister to him out of this same book I'm sharing with you. And I have to remind him the grace of God, how God forgive him, how God forgive me. And I just encourage him to let go, let the past be gone, and look forward. Paul said those, those things, so he said, forgetting those things that are behind me, I press forward towards the mark of a higher calling. What am I trying to say, my friend? It's very simple. Be positive. If your spouse had wronged you, can you let it go today and have a fresh start? You say, Pastor, but he hasn't changed, or my wife hasn't changed, or whatever, or maybe my child hasn't changed. It's not about the other person. I'm talking to you. You know, if you change, God will work on the other person. Hallelujah. I want to shout on that. I've seen that many times in my own life. Change begins with you, my friend. Let go of the past. Forgetting those things that are behind you. Look forward. Hallelujah. And God will heal that broken relationship. God will heal that financial condition. God will even heal your body. Hallelujah. The book of, of, of the Chronicles are very, very positive. Then I want to tell you the second book of Chronicles focus on a list of kings after kings after kings after kings. Why are they telling us about all these kings? I'm glad you asked. It is very simple. The author, the writer of that book wants the Jewish readers to know all the good kings in their history. He wants them to know all the bad kings in their history. It's like you come to a church and, the, and you ask the pastor, how are things going? What does the people of this church look like? And then the pastor say, okay, welcome on board. You're a new member, let me tell you. You see, that guy... He's no good. That one, he's no good. <laughs> this one, he's a good fellow. This, 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 this woman will help you. This person will, will pick you up when you're down. So hopefully pastors don't do that. But this book, literally, is not trying to be negative, but he's trying to teach the people of Israel. Let's learn from our past. These are good kings. These are bad kings. 
This is what made this list of kings to be good. This is what made this list of kings to be bad. So let's learn from the past. Let's embrace the good kings and let's stay away from the behavior of the bad kings. And typically the bad kings, what makes them bad? They, they walk away from God. They begin to worship idols. They get into all kinds of shady deals. Maybe they get into uh, immoralities. Uh, maybe they get into, I mean, all kinds of op oppression of people, even slavery. So uh, we can learn from the same thing. One thing I love about people in general you know you don't have to be a great theologian. You know what is right. I know what is right. You don't need to really bang it on my head. I know gossiping is not right. I know being a player hater is not right. I know being unforgiving is not right. I know stealing is not right. I mean, I can go on and on. People are not stupid. You know what is right. You know what is wrong. Our children knows. Wouldn't it be nice if we learn, like in the book of Second Chronicles, and just learn to do that which is right and stay away from that which is wrong? I've just given you a million dollar advice. If you learn to do right and stay away from doing wrong, it will help your health. You will live a longer life. God will bless you. God look for people like that. I'll be honest with you, you will stay out of jail. You will not be a frequent flyer in the courthouse or even the hospital. I mean, it's just good to do the right thing. Even when nobody is looking. I caught this revelation long time ago. If I have to react to people the way they treat me, I'll be miserable. I notice that, I mean, it's like my, 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 my chin will be shaking when I'm mad at people. It's like I can't sleep. Even the people I'm mad at, they're probably sleeping and snoring. I finally get it's not worth it. So I've learned to embrace that which is good. I've learned to think about that which is positive. I've learned to look for the good in a person and not the bad in them. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 put it this way. The Bible says, Whatsoever a good report, whatsoever a lovely, Whatsoever is truth, it's, it talks about if there be virtue, if there be any praise, occupy your mind with stuff like that. Let your mind be full of positive thoughts. So the book of Chronicles ends with this note, warning God's people of Israel, don't be like those bad kings. Learn to be like the good king. And when you're good, God blesses you. When you're bad, God lets you face the consequence.
of being bad. The book of 2 Chronicles end abruptly. It's actually a miracle. At that time, the people of Israel, they were held captive in the country of Portia. They're not home when the book was written, you know. And bless God, all of a sudden, the king of Portia, Mr. Cyrus, woke up one day, and guess what? You would not believe it. He just released all of Israel. He said, you all can go. Wow. Now, you talk about miracle. You know, we sing a song, we say, he's an untimed God. <laughs> yes, he is. All of a sudden, these people have been held captives. These people, they, they, they're going through pain and hurts. They've been removed from their homes, removed from their families. And all of a sudden, the enemy say, look, you all are free. Not only did he release them, he told them you can go home and build your temple. Go home and build your cities. Go home back to your family. Wow. And you know what is so amazing? It happens just like that. It happens overnight. Now, the book ends there. It's like a movie that starts bad in with a good ending. And I want to encourage you before I let you go today. That no matter what you're going through, God can perform a miracle in your life suddenly. God can do for you and me in one day what it takes a lifetime for others to accomplish. <laughs> I wish I can testify. I am telling you, if you don't hear anything from me, believe this one thing. God can wipe away all your tears just like that. God can answer your prayer. Overnight, your healing comes. Overnight, financial breakthrough. Maybe you're struggling right now. You don't even know how you're going to pay your bills. You go from month to month and one day at a time. But I'm telling you, your condition can change. Overnight, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask, above all that you can think, according to the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. Believe me when I tell you, if he did it before, he can do it again. The people of Israel, they woke up one day and instantly they were free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I never will forget when President Obama became president. I'm not the best student of history. I'm, I'm not trying to brag about myself. But I know this one thing. On the day of inauguration, I was watching the people. And some people are shouting. Some people are screaming and full of joy. But guess what? Some people are really in tears. 
I mean, tears rolling their eyes. And then I begin to watch them. I watch their reactions. I, say, I wonder why these people were shedding tears. Now, those were tears of joy. These were people, I, I took note, I, I make a mental note who and who was shedding tears. People like Jesse Jackson. People like John Lewis, the gentleman, the congressman that just died. People like uh, Oprah Winfrey. I mean, some major leaders in our black community. And I was wondering why they're crying. You know why they're crying? They fought for freedom. Many of them put their life down for civil rights. They hoped for better days. You know, we talk about hope. They, they paid dearly. There's a lot of them now. They're not just those ones that I mentioned. But they never thought that they could see a black man become president in their own lifetime. But guess what God did? Suddenly. I remember even when President Obama started campaign. He had no money. He had no real support. Uh, I mean, all the odds were against, against him. was like a rookie senator. But when God gets ready to bless you, he will bless you in spite of your condition. He will bless you in spite of your circumstance. He will bless you in spite of your situation. There's a message there for you and me. I want you to be encouraged today. No matter what you're going through, know that God is still on the throne. Know also that God can bring you out of that situation. I am a witness that God can heal your body. I am a living witness that God can bring you out of poverty. In fact, let me put it in plain English. I don't want to be too theological. I'm a living witness that God can show up and pay your bill. Hallelujah. My friend, let's believe God. Let's continue to trust him. He may not come when you want him, but it's always right on time. The Israelites, they were freed overnight, just like that. Guess what? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. Hallelujah. Today and forever. If he did it before, he can do it again. If he did it for them, he can do it for you. That's my prayer for you today. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you until we're very again. Amen.